Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm uh, speaking with Brenly Veter. Brenly is the cybersecurity uh, director of cybersecurity over at Singa Solutions. Um, and Brenly, taking a look at your resume, I see that you've been with the company for four years. Maybe mm-hmm. you could, uh, you know, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your journey so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, first off, thanks for having me. Um, this is a fun opportunity. And, you know, one of the big, big key parts of being, you know, director and, and president is is just getting out and making sure that people are educated. So this is definitely a, a good opportunity. Um, so I have been with Single Solutions for four years. I've been part of what you would call, you know, the cybersecurity world for, for four years. I was introduced um, first and foremost just as an admin assistant to um, our past director, and I just got super curious about basically what cybersecurity is and what they did behind the locked doors with all the servers and you know all the computers and and the security analyst work. So. I, I jumped into it and I went, uh, went underneath a few different mentorships and um, went to school and, and really just found a love and passion for cybersecurity. So I've been doing it for four years and I've progressed up through the department um, and it's just been, it's been a great journey. Um, I'm currently only 23 years old, so I'm a little bit younger, uh, but, you know, most would say that, you know, my uh, baptism by fire, right? I jumped into a department that was in, you know, in kind of a reactive mode. And so um, there's been a lot of work to be done, but it's been, it's been a great journey this far. Well, super interesting. And uh, I I think you, you have a very interesting uh, story. Maybe you could Tell a bit more about, uh, you know, that transition from, I think you mentioned that you started off as an admin assistant. Um, Yeah. yeah, Can you tell us a bit about that transition? Because uh, uh, I'm sure that would be super interesting for uh, other uh, people in the industry that, you know, really want to progress. And, well, it sounds like you've progressed uh, quite a bit in four years. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. It was a rapid progression um, and a major, what I would say, like a a glow up through the system. But um, as I mentioned before, like a baptism by fire as well. Um, The industry is extremely lucrative, but the amazing thing about it is it's it's unfixed. Um, I'm a firm believer that if you have the passion and desire to fulfill something to complete something that you can, you can do whatever you put your mind to. If you put in the work, put in the time, put in the hours. Um, and that's basically what, what I did. So as you mentioned before, I, I started as the admin assistant. I would, again, just got super curious about what they did behind the locked doors, you know, and I started asking questions. I think that that's always the first step is just ask the questions and, and see, see if it's something that you're interested in first and foremost. And that, 
that really opened a lot of doors for me with, um, with my mentors that, that really showed me, you know, what cybersecurity was, how to, you know, apply, you know, rather that be risk compliance, security, whatever it is that they, you know, they all are married, but they're all very different things. So, um, diving into that, I, I did school on the side and then, you know, I, I just showed a passion and I showed an interest in it and I was willing to undergo an internship for 90 days. Uh, so I worked 90 days for free and, you know, I really showed that I was interested because in it it's, it's a dedication. It's something that when you put people in those chairs, you want to know they're going to stick around. Um, and that's, that was kind of my story. And, you know, after I, I took over the department after two years, um, as the director, and I was terrified because we were in a we were in a reactive mode at the time. We were an MDR solution, so a managed detection and response solution, and the department was kind of left in shambles. So I had to do a lot of work to get us to where we are now, which is we are an SIEM or a system information event management uh, department, and we are SOC two certified. Um, so we've we've come leaps and bounds from where we were before. So it's been it's been a great journey though. Well, th thank you for that uh, context and and sharing your story. And I know you mentioned that you you know you were very curious. You asked a lot of questions, but obviously there has to be. And I think you mentioned your mentors. So I'm, I'm assuming mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, people or internal to the organizations that you're in, right? Yes. Uh huh. Mm. Yep. So um, we I initially had a team lead that kind of took me underneath his wing. Um, showed me more of the operation side of things. But then at the same time, when I overtook the department, I actually had a mentor that specialized in business um, and company culture. That's really what his what his avenue was. And so, you know, as I was taking over this lead, um, there were some people with, you know, a decade of experience or so. And, you know, they, they, they weren't interested in management at the time, but there needed to be manage, management in the organization. So um, I took over that management role and I was helping to direct operations, which was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge at that time and something that was very intimidating, especially at my young age, my lack of experience. But I also knew that if I just jumped into it and, you know, I was able to be an effective manager that we would get down the task that we needed to get done. And, and that's what we, that's ultimately what it boils down to is that company culture and making sure that operations run smoothly and you have a great place for people to work. Yeah. And it sounds like your company did enable you to, you know, take those leaps and, and bounce. So yes. good for you. Uh, thank you. So, and, you know, with that, let's dive into the the questions that I usually ask during this podcast. And again, this, this podcast is, would be focused about you, not about your company and about your journey, which sounds to be an interesting one. I mm -hmm. always start off with a couple of icebreaker questions. And I know you mentioned you're very young, but uh, anyhow, uh, can you share your marital status and favorite drink? Yes. So um, I'm single. Um, I'm not married, but I do have um, a little Shih Tzu. Her name is Susie. She's 13 years old and she runs my world. So she's like a little toddler <laughs> and a spouse combined into one. Um, and my favorite drink, it's probably a toss up between, you know, the Utah, Utah famous Diet Coke or uh, black coffee by like the pot. So <laughs> got it. Thank you. Uh, what's the Utah Diet Coke? Is that something... I missed or yeah no it's uh it's I think it's a, more of a Utah joke that you know every every Utah mom drinks Diet Coke which is true because they don't drink coffee so it's oh okay okay it's yeah. like a, it's a running joke I guess now I get okay got it thank you for yes. that. yeah uh, 
So, you know, my next question is mostly aimed to some an individual that has, uh, you know, a long career. In your case, say it would be an interesting one to ask. What's the one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career in cybersecurity? Yeah, this one I kind of notated that there's, you know, there's no growth in your comfort zone. Um, again, taking taking the initiative and taking what was a department that was in reactive mode that, you know, we were, we were kind of in a point where we weren't progressing a lot and we were just reacting to the tickets that came in, reacting to, um, you know, what clients needed at the time. I think that, you know, looking back then, you know, jumping into things, it was like, that was ultimately the thing that led me to success was knowing that in order to grow, you have to be willing to fail. Um, and if you want to progress anywhere, then you just have to keep failing forward. So, you know, I wish I, I wish I also understood at that point in time that no degree, no amount of experience, anything can prep you for, it, it can't prep you for the things that are, you know, the application process of security and compliance. A lot of times it's, it's really just diving into it and, and just learning, learning as you go. So um, ultimately that's, that's something that I wish I would have comprehended a little bit better growing, you know, starting my career. And speaking about failures, what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah. So as I kind of touched on, um, when I took the department over, um, I, I said three years, but it's been two years. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, I was, I was relatively new to the tech world. I was a security analyst at the time. Um, and I was just doing, you know, the day-to-day -day operations. Um, I did have some experience with leadership, you know, from my um, college days and my high school career. So, you know, it was just, it, it was just consistent with, with failures all the time, failing forward. Um, and so, you know, the, the failures arose basically from a lack of experience and lack of knowledge. However, you know, my tenacity and inability to give up when things got, you know, things got rough, I think that is what allowed me to tackle what was the beast at the time of the, the department in shambles um, and just, you know, cover every single corner, learn every single thing that I can, and then be able to lead and train my team and, and make the department the way it is now. What would you say then? So I think it, you know, uh, as, a uh, as a derivative from your answer, I mean, I think we, we can assume what your biggest accomplishment was, but was there anything in particular that you wanted to highlight here? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that was a huge accomplishment. It didn't seem like it at the time because it was, you know, you get so operation focused that you kind of, um, you kind of forget the, the big, the big accomplishments, but that was, a, that was a huge one. You know, actually I would say, um, kind of going off script here. One of my biggest accomplishments is creating the company culture that we have now today. We have a fabulous company culture. We, um, actually partner with a group called tech, uh, techie for life. Um, and they take neurodiverse adults and they teach them the soft skills that they need to know in order to, you know, be productive citizens, um, and so what I ended up doing was, was working with them and doing some mentorships. And, and then I integrated a internship with Techie for Life where these neurodiverse adults could come in, they could learn the security analyst work and oh boy, did they, did they learn it and did they perform? And they, they have this great culture where they're able to be themselves and they're able to learn and, and really grow and be a part of, um, be a part of our culture. So it's, it's, I would say that's one of my biggest accomplishments is providing that environment for them and making sure that they, that, you know, that not just they, but everyone on my team feels like that they have a purpose, you know, 
with the company and the business. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Did you want to expand on that on that organization you just mentioned? Um, no, no, they they're uh, they're just so we're located in St. George, Utah, um, which is you know small town southern Utah, and they. They have a fabulous program, as I mentioned. They um, take in take in adults just to need you know a little bit a little bit of help with their soft skills, um, and you know a lot of times they're they're so brilliant. They are brilliant individuals, and they just you know teach them you know give them an opportunity in tech, um, and you know the partnership with Singo Solutions, that's the company I work for, um, has really just allowed them to to flourish and and do what they're what they're really good at. So. Okay, nice. And what was the name of that organization again? Um, it is Techie for Life. That's, okay. Yeah, yep. So uh, looking back at your uh, career, what advice would you give someone who wants to pursue a, um, a career similar to yours? Yeah. Um, the industry is extremely lucrative. It's unfixed. It's changing. So I think the most important thing is you have to be willing to grind. You have to be willing to push barriers. You have to be willing to fell forward. You have to be willing to undergo things that, you know, every day is going to be a new challenge. You have to face it head on. And I think that, you know, the, the biggest, the best advice that I can, I can give anyone is if you are passionate about it and you want to pursue it, you can achieve it. Do not, do not stop, you know, just keep innovating, keep looking, keep moving forward, keep making sure that you are contributing to what is, you know, the cybersecurity industry, because there's so much work to be done. So, you know, I think that there's, there's not a finish line to the race. Uh, every analyst, CISO, director, CEO, CTO, we all, we are all learning and we need to continue to have a learner attitude in order to reach the altitudes it takes to run this rest this race successfully mm -hmm. yeah uh for sure and talking about the the organizational structure of the CISO versus the IT organization what are your feelings around about the, the role of the CISO that's actually a part of the IT organization um yeah I think it's a unique role um and it kind of incorporates two um, opposing things, in my opinion. One is, you know, this, this management position, and then one is a mind for operations. Um, and so kind of the way that I've been able to look at it is, as a CISO, you have to have a mind for operations, and you also have to be a good leader. You have to have good management skills, which is not always the easiest thing to achieve, especially when you're just trying to get tasks done, but you also have to be worried about how your team is performing and making sure that they have um, what is, in my opinion, the most important thing, a good company culture. So kind of marrying those two ideas and making sure that as a CISO, you're providing a balance between a good manager and someone that is efficient with the operations. I, I would say that that's probably the most, you know, most important, important part about being a CISO. Yeah, and do you feel there's a, um, a tension or a conflict of interest between a uh, chief information security officer that actually reports to an IT organization, like, you know, a CIO, for example? I'm not sure if that's the case uh, with your organization, but uh, mm -hmm. as, as a trend in the industry, do you have any specific uh, thought about that? Yeah, like, I would say that it, it's definitely a challenge because something that you have to do as a CISO, as a director is you have to, you know, go and ask for those funds. You have to make sure that 
the operations that you are trying to achieve make sense for the organization. Security is an investment. And so, you know, convincing your CTO, your CFO, um, your CEO, even to allocate funds and, you know, see, see the good in investing in the security and the compliance um, sometimes can be, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. There's a great book um, and I'm trying to recall the author right now, um, but it's called Elephant in the Boardroom. That's one that I've mm-hmm. recently been reading. Have you heard of it? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's a fabulous book, but it definitely breaks down. You know, we we have a mind for operations. We have a mind for management as a CISO, a director, but we don't always have a mind for, you know, numbers and, and maybe, you know, your business, um, you know, your negotiations that you're trying to achieve. You know, we're just trying to get things done, but you have to have a mind for negotiation in order to really achieve what you want to achieve. And I would say that's, you know, one of the biggest challenges of a CISO and, you know, trying to get, trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve for your department and your organization as a whole. And let's talk a bit about, uh, I mean, expanding uh, our conversation about your journey. So you have to learn a lot. A lot of that was probably self-learning. I know you mentioned, uh, you know, some some academia there as well. What were the best resources that have helped you? I mean, like, what did your journey look like in terms of how you acquired that knowledge? Yeah, I would recommend everyone and anyone that is going to step into a role of security, rather that's as a security analyst, or if that's a, a larger ro- role, like a director or an IT manager, to find find a mentor. Look for a mentorship to undergo, someone that understands how management works, and then someone that can help you with a mind for operations. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the nitty gritty of how everything works and, you know, the zero and the ones, but it does have to be, you have to have a mind for operations. So I would say that that was the biggest asset that I was given when I started my role was, was my mentorships that I underwent. And, you know, between my mentorships and my leaders, they taught me how to balance the role of, you know, CISO director and manager. And, and that was, that was definitely the best resource that I was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the importance of uh, mentorships, uh, mentorship is uh, highly important, especially if you want to growing in an organization and obviously you had uh, the chance to experience that uh, firsthand mm-hmm. um do you wanna uh, i wanted to talk a bit about uh, common myths in our profession that uh, you can debunk uh, do you have anything there to contribute yeah i again kind of touching on what was mentioned earlier is that it takes a it takes a high level of education i think that that's a myth I think that it takes a high level of passion and tenacity in order to, to do this career. It takes the right kind of personality. It takes a person with drive and a person that's willing to fail forward. I don't think it always boils down to the education, rather, you know, that's your master's or your PhD or whatever it might be. I think that those are all great tools to have in your, in your box. But at the end of the day, it really is up to the person on how successful they're going to be. And I think that that's a common myth that, you know, we're all mathematical geniuses working in quantum physics. It's, it's not really, it's not really that high level. It's just having the right person in that seat that is um, ambitious and willing to fail forward. Yeah. Thank you for that insight as well. Uh, And uh, let's, shift gears and talk a bit let's 
start talking a bit about the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. We can get started with, uh, you know, what concerns the CISOs mostly these days, in your opinion? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, how to effectively lead your team in risk, security, compliance, and privacy terms. Uh, company culture is, is a large portion of a successful business. And in order to properly service clients in the business to business sector, it's imperative um, that they have a good leader that is at the helm of the ship um, to make sure that the path to compliance and security is postured correctly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically a combination between, uh, you know, business skills to uh, uh, technical skills, as well as uh, culture. That's mm -hmm. pretty much just sum it up if I heard co you correctly. Uh and in your opinion, what are the, the areas that, um, you know, people that in your position should be focused on these days? Yeah, I would say it's just that that marriage between um, efficiency and, and security. I think that, especially in the business-to-business -business sector, as you start to, you know, service clients and, you know, you're in the, you know, MS, MSSP realm or, you know, your cybersecurity realm, it can be difficult to, to really marry the two ideas of security and efficiency. And a lot of the times the business receiving um, the support and the, the service wants to have a more efficient system. But unfortunately, at the cost of compliance, you have to, you know, you're implementing security. So really just marrying those two ideas, I think, A, is the biggest challenge, but I think B is the most important thing to do is, is make sure that there is a balance of equilibrium between security and efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay, but, but that's as like uh, in general when you talk about the industry, right? So, and if yeah. if I were to ask you, uh, you know, if we're talking about the the role of the CISO nowadays, as 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 you mentioned, there's mean there's it's a combination between a business type of role to you know mm -hmm. some technical know how uh, and mm -hmm. you know soft skills and all that, and. I have seen that this transition, you know, in the past uh, 15 years, probably from this, this role has, has grown from, you know, a very technical oriented role to a more business oriented role. And, right. and I'm assuming, so what you said about these are the, you know, the, the skills that every CISO should have nowadays, like a combination of all. Uh, but if we look at uh, the industry and where it's going, where do you think this role specifically, the CISO role is going? Like if you... Uh, if you look into the future, like five, uh -huh. 10 years from now, in your opinion? Yeah, I think that that trends kind of tell it all. And you kind of spoke, you kind of spoke to that already is it's, it's moving from less of a technical role to more of a managerial role, because it takes, again, someone that can negotiate to the CEO, CFOs, you know, to allocate funds for what we're trying to achieve is the role of a CISO. So I think we're going to see a continue in that, in that trend where it's, it's more of a role that leads the team, but also is that, that business mindset that knows how to, how to negotiate and how to speak the, as, as you, you know, might, you know, might, you might say the, the business lingo. I think that we'll continue to see that in the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in your opinion, what will we see in the industry next? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I think that there's, there has been a, a huge boom in the amount of people that are servicing in cybersecurity. This is, this is again, a personal opinion, but I do think that we'll see a regression in, in providers. And the reason that I say that is because compliance is getting ramped up 
so much quicker and compliance can be a difficult thing to understand. So I think as we see, I think as we see, you know, compliance and all these regulatory bodies come out with new, new regulatory, um, standards that some people are going to shy away from, from servicing, especially with, you know, CMMC, a few other things, um, it can be daunting and it takes a lot of investment to be able to, you know, service, service clients to that level. Um, so I, I do believe that we'll see, um, less providers in the industry and that's again, a personal opinion. Yeah. So less providers due to consolidation or acquisitions mm-hmm. in your opinion, or just, um, yes. okay. yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, in your opinion, who do CISOs uh, nowadays follow, like social media and, and all that? Yeah, I mean, I have some really great LinkedIn connections. Um, for anyone that I would say, like, you know, for me, I look for a lot of inspiration through other people, um, and particularly uh, women in the industry, because it's it's kind of a hard thing to find, to find women um, in the industry that are up with the trends and are kind of leading the path. So something that was um, super helpful for me is I actually attended CyberCon in Salt Lake City um, and they had an amazing uh, keynote speaker. Her name was Katie. I cannot remember her last name right now, but um, you know, just seeing, seeing women lead the industry and, and, you know, kind of again, maybe debunk that myth that it's a, you know, a male driven industry. I think that it takes both a male and a female mind in order to, to achieve what we're trying to achieve in the industry. I would say that that's probably, you know, who, who I follow most is people that can kind of inspire me to continue to grow and continue to lead in the industry. Okay. So thought leadership, basically, especially if we're talking about, uh, women in the industry um yeah and definitely i mean uh, recently i've interviewed a bunch of very interesting uh leaders that might fit the bill uh and um in your opinion what would you define as innovation in our space is it more along the line of like a new product a new service or is it along you know uh, the line of like how we do business as cybersecurity or you know how we monetize our services yeah, I think it's probably, you know, how we do business, um, you know, some some of the issues that we're facing right now, they are they are huge issues. Um, we'll just take one, right? The supply chain issue. Um, huge issue, something that everyone's faced, especially if you're an MSP, an MSSP, providing cybersecurity, whatever it might be. Supply chain is a big buzzword and it is also a big issue. So, you know, I think that we are we're a unique group of people. And when I say we, I mean cybersecurity professionals. And half the time, if you can't find, you know, someone to provide that service, then you're going to create that service yourself. So I would really like to see, you know, someone kind of lead, lead the, you know, lead how we, how we approach the supply chain issue and, and kind of find our own resolution for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And Switching gears to our last topic of today, um, let's talk a bit about vendors. Let's yeah. say you were a vendor. What would mm-hmm. be your strategy in trying to build, start build, building a relationship with a customer that you'd like to work with? Yeah, I think that that's the key word, a customer you'd like to work with, right? It's making sure that you know your services well enough, you know the value of your services well enough that you only take on clients that A, you would like to work with and B, that actually need your solution and need your 
needs your services. So as a vendor, that's, I mean, I work for a company that technically we are a vendor, we are an MSSP, right? And so that's something that we look for when we take on clients. Is this compliant? Is this client looking to achieve compliance? That's something that we always look at because if they're not looking to achieve compliance, then more than likely our services are not going to make sense for them. It might be a waste of money. Um, and I, I don't want, I don't want them to waste money. I want them, I want our services to make sense for them and security is an investment. And so they have to see at the end of the road that their time, it's like an insurance policy, right? That, you know, everyone knows they should have insurance, but not everyone does insurance. I'm not sure why, but as soon as you get handed that, you know, that, that bill or whatever it is, it's like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense why we're paying for insurance. So it makes sense too, that, you know, you have clients that are looking to achieve security and compliance. And those, those are the kind of people, those are the kind of um, clients that you're going to want. So I think that goes the same for a vendor. Find a client that makes the most sense for you and your services. Be confident in your services. Let's say I did find a client and I, I, I'm stressing this because I know this is, uh, you know, something a lot of vendors and seasons on the other side, they struggle with that mm -hmm. cold calling approach that's still been going around in, in the market today. Let's say you mm -hmm. do have a client that you want to engage with, with what would be, in your opinion, what would be the best approach uh, in a non-intrusive manner? Because, I mean, we're all tired of that cold yeah. approach, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's a call, phone calls or emails or LinkedIn, right? Right. Yeah, I think we're tired of receiving them and I think everyone's tired of sending them too, you know, and I would love to see us move away from that um, model because half the time, especially when you work in security, you think that everything's a phishing attack. And so if someone tries to, you know, reach out, cold call me, then I, then I get worried thinking, you know, that they're trying to, they're trying to fish or scam or smish or whatever it might be. Um, so I would, I would love for us to move away from that. But I think to answer your question, um, I think that the best methodology moving forward is to show people, you know, what, what they're investing in, what the product is that you're trying to sell makes sense for them. So for instance, with us, what we offer is we offer a free, you know, 90 day on-site risk assessment. And we kind of go through everything A to Z. We obviously have NDAs, all the forms that you sign. It's in a non-intrusive way that we're able to really understand the organization and make sure that A, our services make sense for them, but B, that if they don't have the services, then, you know, it, it won't make sense for them either. So that's something that we offer. I believe that that's a, you know, kind of give them, give them a taste of your services. Right. And I think that that's probably the best way to really make sure that it makes sense for you and the client. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, and, um, any any influential people in the industry or anyone that uh, you look up to? I know you mentioned your mentors. Anyone you wanted to mention during this podcast? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to highlight my mentors. So that's okay with you there. They would be so upset with me for for highlighting them because they are, you know, they they're pretty low key guys. Um, but you know, the um, the CEO of our organization is named Scott Matson, and he has taught me an insurmountable amount of information um, from business to, you know, leadership to whatever it might be. He's, he's really been so influential. Um, and he's been, luckily he's been that person that's on my team that, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about the elephant in the boardroom kind of, kind of deal that a lot of people have to face. It makes sense for him. Um, when I go to him and I ask for funds, whatever it might be, he's, he's on my team. We're on the same team. Um, and then another great mentor that helped me through 
so much of taking over the department was, uh, Greg Matson and Greg, um, you know, when I, when I took over the department, I mentioned it was kind of in shambles. It, it, it was honestly, we had, you know, a silo of leadership. We had a silo of information. Um, we were in a reactive mode instead of a proactive mode, which is something that I praise myself on now is because we are in a proactive mode, which is a hard thing to achieve as an IT department. But, um, you know, he really showed me, you know, my methodology of getting tasks done, my methodology of, you know, how to lead people, how to make sure we have a good company culture. So I kind of owe it, I owe it to those two guys. Um, and then my last mentor, um, also a Matson as well. They are all, they're all owners of this fabulous business that I work for, but Tony Matson, he's, he taught me so much about compliance. Compliance is a very hard thing to understand. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's not so much the degree. It's not so much the studying, it's the application process of it. So, um, underneath Tony's men mentorship, I was able to complete our SOC two type two, uh, and our SOC three, um, in two and a half days this year which is crazy. Uh, it usually takes weeks upon weeks. And so, you know, that didn't come without vigilance before and a lot of work, but really just comprehending compliance and knowing what the auditors are looking for, cut our, cut our, our auditing time and, and forth. So, you know, I owe a lot to them. And I'm very grateful for them. Um, and as I mentioned before, if anyone is, is looking for how to get into the industry, look for a mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something I can agree with. Um, what's, what's the best way to connect with you online then? Yeah. So I have a few different ways. Um, you can connect with me on my Instagram. Um, it's Brenly V. Um, and I will share, I do share, um, I do share cybersecurity tips on there. I also have a nonprofit organization called Be Cyber Smart. Uh, Be Cyber Smart is aimed to educate all all demographics on how to be safe online. Um, so you can connect with me through Instagram at wearecybersmart or becybersmart.org. Um, we are in the process of solidifying that 501c3 um, and also coming out with some really fun children's books to educate our children on how to be safe online. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Okay, thank you for that. So Instagram and LinkedIn and becybersmart.org. Thank yep. you. Uh, sounds interesting. I'll definitely look it up. Uh, and final question before we wrap this up. Um, if money was never an issue, what would you do with your life? Mm, is this supposed to be a altruistic question or more of a... Whatever you want to do. You, whatever you want to ask. Yeah, anything. Unlimited funds. What would you do with your life? You know, I love, I love to travel. I love to experience new things. And I think that that's always the silo and the slowdown for people is you know, they, um, they unfortunately don't, don't always have those funds. So I would just travel. I would travel everywhere. Luckily with my job, um, you know, role as CISO, it, it can be a remote role. Um, and so I would travel, I would do my job. I would continue to grow my, grow my nonprofit and really just make change in the world. That's what I would do. Sweet. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story today. I had a good time having this conversation. I hope um, you know your answers and those experiences that you've shared would resonate with some of our listeners, and you know anybody would be able to take something from this discussion today. Any final notes? I don't believe so. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brenly. Mm -hmm.